everyone. Welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 94, your weekly podcast covering everything Magic the Gathering related. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and mtggoldfish.com. Your host, Chaz, as always. I cover financial aspects of the game as well as just general content of MTG altogether. And with me, uh, Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, our resident jank brewer and general content producer. What, what's up, Seth? Oh, what's up, Chaz? How's it going this week? I'm doing well. It's 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 just you and me again. Richard is still out. Uh, he will be next week as well. So you and I are just holding it down. <laughs> uh, holding down the fort. Hopefully Richard is enjoying his vacation. So. Yes, yes. We hope he's enjoying his vacation. Hope to have him back soon. We would like to have him back. So a few things that we wanted to cover on this uh, week's podcast. We have... Eternal Masters, uh, so there's been an announcement that another, uh, and, and I'm using the quotes here, modest uh, print run of Eternal Masters is going to be released. Then we wanted to talk about the just the general tournament results over the weekend. There ha- there was an SCG Open that was featuring Modern. Tom Ross took it down with Green White Tron, so we just, just wanted to talk about that a little bit. And then we will just handle, we have a considerable amount of fish mail, so we wanted to take the time and try to get through all of that. Not every cast we get to get through it all, but we thank everyone for sending those in. So we're going to get to all of it uh, this week. But um, So let's just start off with the Eternal Masters uh, announcement. Now, Seth and I, we want, you, know, you and I, we said that we wanted to talk about finance, so I think this is a good way to segue into more of like a meta finance discussion before we talk about modern so what is the announcement okay so the announcement is basically that over the holiday season wizards is going to be doing another print run of eternal masters as far as i know they haven't released actual numbers i haven't seen that yet that like this store is getting this much this store is getting that much i know they said it's all coming from distributors and none are coming directly from wizards so i don't know exactly what that means as far as supply and that they encourage the stores to use at least some of them for drafts over the holiday season but basically the big takeaway is uh, it's a reprint essentially of eternal masters what uh, six nine months after the first printing and we've just never seen this before with sealed product it's completely unprecedented the only sort of comparison is we've seen uh, the the series of decks being reprinted like commander anthologies plane chase anthologies but we've never had wizards just be like all right we have an out of print booster box here and we're just going to print more of that and release it yeah this is really interesting and like you said it is unprecedented i don't ever remember a time that they they did this at least recently and if you know we're wrong obviously uh, comment uh, so this so i wrote down a couple things and we discussed this seth so is this more of a maybe eternal masters just the first initial print run was much lower than normal and maybe that's just kind of a this is sort of just a special case or is this kind of something now that we have to watch going forward like is you know, normally we talk about these cyclical things like Modern Masters, for for example, that is coming out in a few months. You know, people would be buying their singles, you know, after it's reprinted, the prices are low. And then what, like three months after that, we get another run of Eternal Masters? It's It's really, is this just a kind of an isolated situation or is this something that could potentially happen with just normal sets imprints or even that are imprint or even maybe sets that are have been out of print for quite some time we just don't know we don't know and that's i guess sort of the the challenge is 
We don't know what this means. This could just be a one-time thing. Eternal Masters was a very limited release, even compared to at least the more recent Modern Masters releases, maybe more similar to the first Modern Masters, which itself was very limited, but there wasn't a lot of Eternal Masters to go around, so it could be as simple as Wizards being like, okay, well, we uh, we need more of this out there, we didn't print enough at first, this was a mistake on our part, so we'll release some more over the holidays. Or this could be the new way forward. Like, it very well could be that next year during the holiday season, we get an announcement uh, a month or two ahead of time saying, oh, we're going to just print more Modern Masters 2017 because it'll make Wizards money. Like, the holiday season, people are in this spending mood. If your uh, kid is a big Magic player, uh, Eternal Masters Booster Box is a great present. Or even just for people to buy uh, over their break from work to get together with some friends and get a box of Eternal Masters and drafts. So it seems like a time when Wizards can sell a lot of product. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw more of this moving forward. Uh, We can't really say for sure that this is precedent-setting and the new normal, but it, it all makes sense from a business standpoint. It's easy to forget that Wizards' main goal is to make money, and this seems like a pretty easy way for Wizards to make more money. Yeah, and these are two... So these are two more points that we talked about in the pre-show. I mean, is this more attributed to the new president that has come on? I mean, you, you're you're the one that posed the question. I think, I think you're right. I mean, I think this all kind of comes back to, like, new leadership and how things are run as a bit like how wizards is run as a business you just said it i mean the end goal for 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 wizards i mean we don't like to to talk about it we don't like to admit it but it is to make money and this is a great way for them to turn around you know identify that eternal masters maybe just eternal masters in this situation was underprinted, and then just turn around say you know what for the holidays let's get this product out there but you know for how long can that go on and if, if it even goes further than that to say you know what the first zendikar has been out of print for quite some time maybe for christmas you know or you know the holiday times of 2017 uh we will release the original zendikar i mean i don't know if that's going to happen but maybe this new leadership things are going to be turning around a little bit quick more quickly than we've seen in the past where you know they it was kind of a sluggish you know, they they did things kind of sluggish, let's be honest. Yeah, and I mean, that's the crazier part, is that really could happen. It could be that all of a sudden Wizards print Zendikar. It just, it makes so much sense for them to do that. People want more fetches, uh, there's grumbling and some problems with fetches in Standard, and why wouldn't they just be like, okay, we're going to do another print run of Zendikar, we can sell these booster boxes for probably more than normal. You could probably almost sell them like you would a a Modern Masters type set, or maybe they release them for the same price as a standard legal booster, but they would sell like crazy if you could buy a booster box in open fetch lands. And the only reason we wouldn't think Wizards would do something like that is they just never reprinted sealed product before. Once a set was out of print, it was always out of print forever. But this is, it seems like that is changing. So if they're willing to do that with Eternal Masters and Commander decks and Plane Chase, it seems like just so much free money for Wizards to do that with Zendikar or Innisrod. You get these great sets out there so more people can draft them and 
it's just super easy money for wizards. You don't have to design new cards, design a set, pay people to uh, build this world and make the art. You just like print it. That's all you got to do is call up your printer and be like, hey, make us some more Zendikar boxes, and then and then right. you have money <laughs> yeah. going into your pocket. Yeah, and I mean, it really isn't outside the realm of possibility. I mean, uh, I'm sure we'll get some flack for this, but it really isn't. I mean, it, look, look, they, you just named certain situations where they have done it. And, and let me ask you, Seth, I mean, isn't, wouldn't that just be like simply like, I mean, not to draw a one for one comparison, but it'd be kind of like flashback drafts, right? Like, they already do that. Yeah, I mean, they do it on Magic Online regularly, and it would be somewhat similar to that. So it, I don't think it's impossible. It still could definitely be a long shot, and I'm definitely not saying this is what's going to happen. Uh, we're basing this mostly on a discussion of Eternal Masters, and like we said, it could just be they feel like the supply is too low, so this is a one-time thing, but it definitely doesn't seem outside the realm of possibility, and if you had asked me this a month ago or six months ago, I would say no way, just because it's never happened before. Yeah, now that it, right, now that it has happened, you know, things, more things come onto the table and it really I mean we talk about this all the time I mean it it's easier for them right and you just said it and it not only is it just easier for them but now you don't have to look like where can we put a fetch land right where can we put a fetch land do we put fetch lands back into standard do we put them in a supplemental product oh isn't it wouldn't it just be easier just to <laughs> reprint the set itself you know at MSRP I mean wouldn't that just be the easiest instead of trying to you know, oh, like if we put fetch lands in the commander product, then the commander product's too much, you know, MSRP, and like it's too jam packed with value. And do we put them in, in a in a standard product and just to sell boxes? I mean, at that point, they don't they can just totally bypass, you know, what fetches would do to standard, right? Because we've seen what fetches in standard can't, you know, it can happen where it's a catastrophe, and they could just bypass all that and just say, let's just reprint Zendikar and and sell it. Yeah, it seemed, I had never even considered this before, but it seems like such an easy solution to so many problems. Like, it gets more supply of fetch lands out there, and it avoids all the hassles that Wizards has with designing sets. Even a Modern Masters set takes some amount of money and work hours to design and, like, put together a reasonable set. You are just uh, making that money off of the work you did five or six years ago, uh, which seems... It's like uh, like getting royalties or something, almost, for if you're a musician or an actor or something. So uh, it seems like just such an obvious thing for Wizards to do and such an easy way to make money. And... From a financial perspective, it's just another thing that uh, I guess makes you nervous and makes you think holding on to magic cards yeah. long term is a little risky. Certainly is much more risky than it's ever been, and it was pretty risky before, but it's just another curveball. I mean, you know, uh, and, and we talked about this, so this was another point that I wanted to bring up is that it's it's really not outside the realm. I mean, Wizards wants to rein back in their product. And we talked about this in the pre-show, and they, they want Magic to be sort of on their own terms, more on their own terms, and they want, you know, they want some of the sales back in their own pocket, right? I mean, this is not unprecedented in terms of business. Yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense in terms of business. If anything, we've seen a, a lot of moves from 
Wizards over the last year or so that really focuses on returning some of the profits to them. Like the first big example of this I can think of is when they raised the price on Modern Masters packs because the first time around there was this huge gap. The the boosters were what seven dollars MSRP, but they all sold for like fifteen dollars. So that's yeah. a huge <laughs> gap of money that's just going to the local game stores and not to Wizards. So by jumping up the price to $10, that money all of a sudden is going their pocket. And we've seen a lot of moves like that. And with Eternal Masters, releasing more sealed product is another way that Wizards, instead of having the stores benefit by selling all the cards that were reprinted in the set, the Caracases, the Mana Crypts, as they go up in price and supply dwindles, Wizards can just release more sealed product, and they're the ones that get the benefit and the money from that, rather than the secondary market and all those forces. Yeah, it might be a little wishful... It might be a bit of wishful thinking to think that, you know, they could just start printing Zendikar boxes, but I honestly think it could work in in terms of maybe not just selling the boxes, but you have like a draft masters. I mean, and this is just like totally hypothetical, but I mean, we've seen that they've packaged, you know, the three, uh, the three pack, like conspiracy things. I don't know if you've seen them in Walmart, right? You know, uh, they did. Yeah. yeah, they did do that. What if they just, you know, drafting a Lara block and you get one of each set of a Lara block and oh. they just start kind of, you know, draft masters. I don't know how you would kind of sell that, but that could easily be a thing. You know what would be awesome would be a booster box that was built for wacky drafts. So it has yeah. like a booster from yeah. a whole bunch of different wow. sets. Wouldn't that be such a sweet product? Oh my and you just have like a, a, a pack or whatever of each of these sets, but it's still it's still like pushes out more supply of these of these sets. And it, you know, it, in a in an indirect way, right? Yeah. And, and if you did it the the wacky draft model, then the supply of any sp- specific card or set would be pretty minimal so it wouldn't just crash the market i think that's actually a really sweet idea i would buy uh wacky draft booster boxes if that was a a thing that existed and and instead of just releasing a hundred thousand boxes of zendikar you're releasing uh, a fraction of that because it's only one pack of zendikar in each of those boxes so i i think that could be a thing i actually really want them to do that now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm like kind of like half joking here, but I'm sort of expecting at some point we get like a request to go uh, fly out to watch to, to, watch, <laughs> to, to help them out. I mean, that that really is a good. We did not script this. I mean, this this that is a really good idea. I, I wow! Just, I just thought of that right now. <laughs> <laughs> that is wow that that really could work and you're absolutely right so instead of just pushing out like entire boxes you are still getting a fraction of that but still a pretty good sizable supply of like just loose zendikar packs yeah and it would it would help to some extent up the supply on some really expensive cards which is uh, something that that people have been asking for and and wizards has shown recently that they're not afraid to reprint things so it's just another avenue in a a really unique and interesting avenue that they could uh, do that Wow. Imagine, yeah, you get like a 15 booster box and it's just all 15 different boosters. That would be sweet. You could, or eight or whatever, you know, how, a three, six, nine or 12, something I, like that. So, so yeah. Chaz, let me ask you, how worried are you about uh, being involved in MTG Finance right now? Seth, you and I have talked about this for quite some time. And, you know, we talked about always, like, kind of adapting. You know, these, they're throwing all these curveballs. Like, how do you stay safe? 
I think the best way to do it is you have to firstly if you're this kind of is all in, individual right it, it really falls back on you to evaluate your collection and really just get rid of the stuff that you probably won't use probably won't ever use and keep and this is what exactly what I'm doing I've, I've been sending in buy lists just to be transparent I've been sending in buy lists just stuff that probably I'm never going to use and I'm really keeping a small well you know well rounded but small collection I mean you know I'll have my couple commander decks that I play you know the dual commander I'll have my one modern deck affinity you know everybody knows that and you know if I want to play standard I play standard and if I don't, you know, I don't. But I'm not going to just be having, like, all the what-ifs. I think this is definitely a hit on all the what-ifs and all the speculative stuff that you hold for, like, X amount of time. I'm just not interested in that anymore. I'm not interested in the what-ifs and the, you know, this could be good to stash away for a couple years. I'm just not about that anymore. I'm all about – and if that works for you and if you still want to do it, that's great. You know, there, there really isn't a wrong way to do this. This is kind of just how I would do this. But I have – shifted away from that and more of like in the now what are the, the you know the smuggler copters that i have to acquire what are the torrential gear hulks that i have to acquire and and you know ideally getting them before they're you know 15 20 bucks right like that's kind of the whole thing and, and let me so that's how i would do it but let me flip that question back to you I, I don't know exactly how you do it but let's just say you were to sit down you have your collection what would you do going forward uh well i mean i agree with you to a large extent that it's I'm not interested in selling out, but it's more about selling down and being wise. And I've been actually going through this process to some extent on Magic Online, where uh, we're, we have a lot of the same things. A lot of the stuff that paper players are just now starting to deal with is the norm on Magic Online. Flashback drafts, increasing the supply on cards, uh, random things like that, where a card that's really valuable and in low supply all of a sudden uh, just gets crushed in price because it's a random promo or it's uh, whatever, a flashback draft. So uh, for me, it's been about selling down and just not holding on to unnecessary stuff. I have so many cards that I don't think I'm ever going to use. Maybe there's like I don't know, a 5% chance that I'm eventually going to actually play a card in a deck. In the past I would just hold on to that because my thinking was, uh, well, there's a 5% chance and I wouldn't be surprised if this uh, gains in value, or at least it's not going to lose much value. But now cards like that, where it's a 5%, 10% chance that I might want this card someday, uh, I've kind of shifted my philosophy, and I'd much rather just sell that card and have the money. And then if there, if that 5% or hits, I'll just rebuy the card, because I don't have faith that it's just this straight uh, upward trajectory for Magic cards. Because we've seen so many different reprintings, it's just so risky to hold that type of card now. So so that's kind of my philosophy. The one exception for me is I still really like, I guess gambling is probably the right word, on mythics that are essentially bulk. We were talking about this a little bit before cast, but it's uh, stuff like Anafens of the Foremost. You mentioned Warden of the First Tree. These are cards that are already essentially as cheap as they can get. Even if they reprinted them in a Commander deck or a Modern Masters, they're not going to get much cheaper than a dollar. They're mythic rares. They're semi-playable. Cards like that I still don't mind holding on to just because there is a chance that, uh, I don't know, we talked about Frontier last week, or a modern deck breaks out, and those cards are good enough that I can 
picture that happening. They're not just utterly unplayable. And if they do hit in something like that, they could end up being $5. And if they never hit, I don't lose anything because they're already at their absolute floor. So that's the one exception in the one group of cards that I still like to hold on to is just the really low-end mythics that have at least some chance of hitting in modern or other older formats. Yeah, I do agree with you on that sentiment. Like, it doesn't really cost you anything on that front. But I'm just, yeah, for me, like, contrary to what people may think, I mean, I still do have those cards, like, exactly what you said, Seth. And But it is, but I understand that it's a gamble, right? And, and it is still a gamble, but, but in your kind of, in the way you've explained it, you're not gambling too much. So if you want to, like, have a, you know, you stash away a few Mythics, that's great. Or even, like, a rare that you just feel like you just, you don't care. You just want to buy and hold on to it. Obviously, that's still going to happen. But you're absolutely right. It's just more of, like, the consolidating down, selling down to a point that's manageable, that is... And you don't have to worry about all this kind of what-if stuff because, you know, you don't really have to... It's It's getting to a point where, you know, Seth, we've played Magic for a long time. It's crazy. Yes, since Theros. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but it was it was kind of almost like the chance that a card wouldn't get reprinted the next time, right? We always talked about that. It's sort of now shifted of like to the point where a card could probably be reprinted in that in that time frame, right? Like that's just how many curveballs that have been thrown out, and like with all these. Uh, reprints and now like they reprint modern masters like who knows like where that's going to end up so yeah I mean just really consolidate it obviously if, and, and let me just touch on the reserve list because I know it's out there obviously outside of just well just buy everything on the reserve list no but if you want something on and I'm not advocating that but if you do want something that is like on the reserve list obviously that you play in commander or something like that you just get it now and and you just suck it up and if it's a it's a hundred dollar card it's probably going to be around that for quite some time because it's already a hundred dollars. So, but that's pretty much where I'm at. Like you have your little small, like, you know, I just want to stash these away because they're mythics and because why not? Like they're not really going to get any lower at this point. And if I have them, I need them. And then basically just the stuff that you use. Yeah. I think, I mean, maybe the best example of, I think what we're both saying, I don't want to speak for you, but uh, of this change of philosophy is, a few years ago, a card like Thoughtseize is just like a slam dunk buy at rotation. Yep. Like that is what that is what you do. It works out all the time. You wait till it hits a low rotation. You buy a bunch of them. It's going to increase in price in a year or two. Uh, that sort of finance just doesn't interest me anymore because not only is the supply of modern sets so big, Thoughtseize is still trending down. It's rotated what a two years ago, a year, yep. whatever. Uh, uh, yeah, more. So, but it's rotated a long time ago, and there's been no bump in price. It just keeps slowly trending down, sort of stabilizing now, but it's not heading up by any means. And we're to the point now, it's been two or three years, it could very easily be in Modern Masters 2017. Yep. It could even be in a random supplemental product, since they're yep. printing so many of them now. So yeah. so that's the type of, of cards that I'm just not interested in. And that's the most interesting part, because those were the auto buys. You waited for Mutavault, Thoughtseize, those type of cards that are staples in modern. And it's going to be the same with uh, Grim Flayer, for example. Cards like that that are modern playable in standard sets. I just don't have faith anymore that I'm going to buy those at the rotation and profit because either they're 
just going to be so great in supply that they don't increase, or by the time they start to increase, they're likely to be reprinted anyway. Yep, and and it has shifted considerably in like over the course of a few years, right? I mean, and I just said it like it it was always the likely, and you brought up great examples. It's just the likelihood of this card probably won't be reprinted. I'm just going to grab them now, and it'll be good, smooth sailing for like a few years, and they'll go back up. It by the t- and it has changed to the opposite of like this will probably get reprinted like yeah. more before it doesn't, right? Like, and it's exactly like you just said, Thoughtseize it. it you would have bought it, it goes down, it would probably trend back up, but now at this point, it's not trending back up, and even if it did, it's basically already on the consideration of being reprinted again. So it's easier to just consolidate everything, have your goals in mind, like what do I want to do with Magic, and what do I want to play, and what do I want to, you know, I have this little, I would definitely have a very little, if at all, contrary to what people think. Like if you just want to have some whole long-term stuff, that's, that's fine. But just know what you want to do, have your goals, and, and, and consolidate accordingly, I think. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think, I think that that's very true. I think that it's, it's about making some of those hard choices. As Magic players, we like to have Magic cards, and just tons and tons of every Magic card available, because you think, well, maybe someday this card's going to hit in a deck, or, you know, the Underword Cerebus <laughs> problem, where you <laughs> yes. just can't get rid of them because you know it's good, and someday it's going to happen. But the and, and that's probably a bad example, because it's super cheap anyway, so hold your Underworld Cerebus. But, <laughs> but it's just, it's risky to hold on to a ton of cards these days, and um, it's a new feeling because I didn't feel like that it, two years ago, three years ago. This is all all new with the proliferation of supplemental products, of faster reprintings, and now the reprintings of sealed product. There's just if you don't need it and don't have a plan for it, then don't hold on to it. If you have a plan or if you are going to play it, by all means keep it. I'm not saying at all you should sell out of your collection. I don't think that's a smart move or a good move. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but if you don't have a plan for it and aren't going to play it, most likely there's not a good reason just to hold it uh, for no apparent reason. Yeah, and to conclude, I mean, this is not chicken little, you know, sky is falling type stuff. I mean, this is this is what we wanted, right? This is what we wanted as players, right? I mean, I, isn't that kind of how we, we wanted this, that, you know, the, the secondary market is just not ruling the game, that they – and this is how they have to do that. They have to kind of bring the reins back in and kind of have magic on – uh, more of their own terms and and this is everything we have been seeing is is the result of that and and we've been talking from a very financial perspective uh, from a player's perspective who doesn't especially care about finance i sure. think that having more eternal masters boxes is awesome like it sure. it, it shakes the confidence maybe in people that are sitting on 50 eternal masters boxes to make a profit 5 years from now or bought a ton of mana crypts cuz they think they're going to spike but as a player you get to go to your local game store and draft eternal masters which you probably didn't get a chance to do or possibly didn't get a chance to do as much as you wanted to the first time around or you can just buy a box to crack it open which maybe you couldn't do because your store ran out and you didn't get it fast enough the first time so I think we got these competing interests so I think that it's it's scary for people that are heavily invested in finance but as a player uh, more eternal master boxes I think is is pretty much a win yeah and, and and we stress like the individual finance you know who are invested I mean for stores this is great another round of eternal masters well these sold out I'm good like, this will be great. And people will draft it. I mean, it was a very good draft set from what I've heard. Yeah, it so. was It was a really fun draft set. So I would definitely draft more Eternal Masters if I had a chance. So, 
Yep. Just really quickly, so modern stuff, everything is pretty much status quo, but uh, congrats to Tom Ross for taking down uh, the modern open Columbus with Green White Tron. And here it is, Seth. I mean, we look at the top eight, and it's almost like completely changed. Yeah, I mean, modern is it is pretty wide open right now, and it warms my heart. Not an infect deck to be seen in the top sixteen, so that's that's awesome. Yeah, uh, and and we see new things. Green white Tron from Tom, uh, Tom Ross. It's similar in how it plays to the green red Tron decks, but it's really it's a an innovation on an archetype. So we're still seeing new things pop up, and if you overlay this top eight or top sixteen against the last one from last weekend, it would look totally different. So I think that Modern is in a pretty solid place right now. Yeah, I think, I mean, you look at the sideboard and you see two Thrag Tusk. I mean, I think uh, <laughs> we're, we're at a pretty good spot. So, Oh, man, if I he mean, only yeah, had Restoration I'd... Angel <laughs> for the uh, Blinks. It'd be almost like, yeah, like standard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so moving along, so um, Fish Mail, right? Let's get to Fish Mail. We have a... Yeah, we got a ton of fish mail this week, so yeah. let's uh let's do let's that. Get, yeah, let's get to it. So Super Psycho, so at Super Psycho, uh odds of Zen fetches to be reprinted in Amonkhet. No no B of Z duels, fetch lands in type two with old rotation schedule. I think that uh you're right in thinking that the BFC duels would have to be gone for them to print fetches. I don't think we're going to do that again. That was a disaster. But I would not expect it to be in Amonkhet. I I think it will happen. I do believe we'll see them reprinted in Standard. But I'm leaning more towards in the fall or even the following spring than in Amonkhet. I think it's just too soon, but I could be wrong. I'm agreeing with you here. I I think that type of announcement is like prime for uh, a fall uh, a fall release, but I mean, if we'd see it earlier, great. Yeah. Um, at Lord Dojang, so Timothy Marmo, um, on at making new cards and adding to MM twenty seventeen. That would be modern legal as a way to shake up fixed modern meta. Uh, so oh. this is a tricky one. I yeah. <laughs> really believe that that's what we want for modern is a way to put cards into it without going through standard. The problem is the master sets are really limited in supply. So if you printed a, a Tarmogoyf level staple or even like, I don't know, just a card that's seeing a lot of play in modern in the only place you could get that card was modern masters. The price would be absolutely absurd. So I yeah. would be more happy with, uh, like a conspiracy type set that had cards that were legal and modern that had that level of supply than doing it through modern masters. I absolutely agree. Yeah, it would be pretty. It would be a disaster to print new modern cards that were for modern through modern masters. Goku with a OU O two three. Will the three card boosters only have masterpiece inventions, or will expeditions be in there too? So it is both. Uh, from what I read, that it does have the Zendikar. Expeditions and the Masterpiece Inventions. Uh, I believe that's correct. Yep, I think you can get either. Yes. Uh, Proud Daddy 0312. Is there a place that has email for content producers? Same for Twitter handles. Uh, So we have them in articles quite often. Like at the end of articles, I always have my Twitter and email. I think uh, like Tomer and Jake do that as well. But. Mm I think it could be a good idea to have like a, a contact page or something that made that easily accessible. So I will suggest that to, to Richard once he gets back from vacation. Awesome. 
Yeah, like a meet the team kind of page or something like that. That would be cool. Yeah. Uh, Random Keho. So shout out to Random Keho. Has been sending in. Uh, <laughs> I, I just I know this name, so has been sending in a lot of fish mail. What is the best way to deal with my opponent rage quitting in the casual rooms in MTGO? So this is this is definitely for you because I don't play as much MTGO. Uh, so there isn't really a good solution to that. In all honesty, <laughs> um, I don't play in the casual rooms partly because you get you get people to scoop so easily so I hate to make a suggestion that makes playing more expensive but if I want to know I'm going to finish a match I exclusively play at least the two player queues yeah it costs you a few play points or tickets if you lose especially you come out ahead if you win uh, but in those matches it's very very rare that you get rage quits because there's actually something on the line in the casual room I don't even know what to tell you. People get mad if you net deck. They get mad if you don't net deck. They get mad if you combo. They get mad if you counter. So, like, you're just going <laughs> to – someone's going to be mad about something, and there's not much you can do in the casual rooms because there's no penalty for just conceding if you don't like the matchup or don't like whatever your opponent's doing. Right. Uh, Shanderson93, what are your guys' favorite historic decks, like ones that have been in, on old Pro Tours, GPs, etc.? Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. I mean, I don't know. You, you can't really delve, you know, too much past <laughs> into the history of magic, but <laughs> what, Mono Blue Devotion? <laughs> oh, my God. Chaz. I seriously had someone, uh, for real, multiple people ask me if I really started as Eros. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we had yeah because uh, so, of you. Yeah, sorry, sorry, <laughs> that is not true. It is just a joke on the uh, That's what I told them. It's okay though. Uh, so I, this is a really hard question, and I could probably come up with a better answer if I took time to think about it. But one deck that I really like was the Mono Blue Infect deck from the first Modern Pro Tour, which uh, Sam okay. Black built, that was using Blazing Shoal for the turn two kill. And I hate Infect, but just the idea of playing like Progenitus and Reaper King to exile the Blazing Shoal to one-shot your opponent is, that's my kind of jank. And it came so close to winning a Pro Tour, so... Yeah, I've always been I've always loved Black Green Rock and like Death Cloud and stuff like that. But to answer this question and I we have I don't know if we've seen it in modern like modern we've seen today. But if anyone who has been around in the Ravnica the first Ravnica era, I ha it has to go to Owling Mine. <laughs> I say that like I it's not a green deck which is surprising even though I I love Black Green Rock and like Death Cloud. But this deck like it basically defied like everything you do and like came to learn about magic. Like you you don't let your opponents draw cards, like you don't give your opponents advantages. You like <laughs> you you play like a counter like remand back then, like you played a counter that doesn't really counter it the, the, the spell. It's like, what is going on? And the deck was successful. It was actually successful. It just broke like every convention I had about like magic. It was it was really awesome. It has to go to Owling Mine. And it's crazy because, like, back then I would have never given this the award because it was just like, oh, a, a deck that – it's so stupid. Like, let your opponents draw cards. But then, but then you actually kill them for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's a really good choice. Oh, man. Yeah. That deck is miserable yeah. to play against, too. So miserable. <laughs> so miserable. But it, you really have to, like, sit back in awe and, like, just witness what you're doing because you have, like – 
20 some odd cards at the end of the game and you're like but i'm drawing so many cards how am i losing <laughs> sudden impact that's why oh yep <laughs> and every owl and Itsuke. <laughs> and just nothing you can do about it it's so great um so rob Beauville, uh so i have two of each dual decks from is versus golgari onward one open one unopened keep together or crack for parts i don't I don't know what the price is if you keep them together, if you're thinking of selling them. I don't imagine them being major collector's items, just keeping them together, especially with the Anthology series being a thing these days. They'll probably be reprinted at some point in the Anthology series, so I would crack them and play with them or sell them as singles, probably. I don't think there's a big benefit to keeping them sealed. Yeah, I think it would just be you're better off selling them as singles because I mean I just don't know how much like like you said Seth, there's I don't know what the interest is for even sealed like just dual decks and stuff like that. I know there's a couple great ones, but you would have to be waiting a long time. And then you have the anthologies like you said. And then for unopened ones, I have no idea who would be buying that. So yeah, just singles all the way. I mean, and you can definitely just look on eBay. You look yeah. up what a sealed is it Versco Gary is going for and if it's way more expensive than either of us think, then do it that right. way. But I would guess you're not going to gain much by keeping them sealed. Yeah. 11 Vicious, uh, what are your predictions for masterpieces in Amon Kep? Keep up the good work. Listen to you guys every day. Awesome. Well, thank you. Masterpieces for Amon Ket. I'm going to say enchantments. I, I am leaning okay. towards more gods, and I think they have to be enchantment creatures to stay with the, the tradition and meet expectations. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the original gods reprinted, the Thassas and all those from Theros Block, sure. along with other enchantment stuff. But that's just a guess. So I, I have no idea, obviously. But if I had to guess something, I think enchantment sub-theme. Is is Ali from Cairo uh, on the reserve list? I, I can't remember or not. Believe stuff so. like that would be interesting. That that you know you delve back into like Arabian Nights or stuff like this, just like the <laughs> old like, and just <laughs> no, really though, that would be pretty cool. Desert or like yeah, like <laughs> desert. You have uh, what's that? The vengeful pharaoh. That would be an interesting. Uh, you know, you gotta have some stinkers in there. I'm <sighs> sorry. I know that doesn't like sound great but, but it's on theme can can you think of a good card that's on theme though jazz <laughs> is there uh, a, a good egyptian or desert flavored uh, card because i'm not sure that exists i don't i don't know so well like me, a fairly expensive card and uh. the other thing is they they could do a mixture like that just because we've seen like battle for zendikar was lands uh then kaladash's artifacts it doesn't mean that each and every block or set is going to have a card type as their main expedition it, theme so it could yeah, just be a mixture of things as well that's true yeah that's that's definitely true it does not have to be yeah a theme every single time but i mean you know maybe like blood moon that would be interesting that's uh, from uh well the dark but i would i would like that i think that would be a pretty good one you said enchantments just like hate cards ensnaring bridge blood moon choke yeah, maybe. Like you said, it doesn't have to specifically be like an Egyptian theme, but that's a theme in and of itself. Yeah. Eight cards. I don't know. I can't think of it. Sorry, but Vengeful Pharaoh, you got to have stinkers in there. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know that doesn't sound great, but got to have a couple. Ricky Walker, um, Abrupt Decay, Hold or Sell. What is the future now that there's even less legacy support? Is modern enough? Uh, I would definitely be selling because that has to be one of the like top – 10 or 5 cards that 
could be in this Modern Masters for me. And I wouldn't be surprised if they use the promo art because we've seen that sure. in the past with Modern Masters. I think like oh, Melstrom yeah, Paltz yeah. used the because I think this was about the WMCQ promo. So I could imagine more of the WMCQ promo art being the art that they use for Modern Masters if it does show up. Yep, you're right. The the Maelstrom Pulse. Yep. I Amarant. Amarant. Hey guys, I mostly play EDH and MTGO. When do you think it'll be best? The best moment to get the new C16 and CN2 cards. Oh, this is really interesting because the only way these cards are coming on Magic Online is through the treasure chests, and they're going to start oh. uh, on Wednesday. They'll start to come. So uh, the supply is going to be very weird to see because uh, we're going to have to see how many treasure chests people even open because they're going to be tradable, so you can just sell them to bots now. And that's the only way those cards are going to get in the market. So I think you're going to have to wait because if you're trying to get them like tomorrow, this this week, even the next week, the supply is going to be minuscule, just like so tiny. And I ex- expect they're going to be extremely expensive to start out with, uh, assuming there's demand for them, just because the supply is going to be so low. So I think the longer you wait, the cheaper they get because more chests will be open and more supply will get in the market. Really? Only the treasure chests? Yeah. Oh, it's that gonna, sucks. It's going to be interesting. Rough. Mashi, Mahi boats. Uh, do you think it is possible that Damnation isn't being reprinted because Dam is in the title? Ooh, talk about a that could be an interesting masterpiece for Amonkhet. No, Ooh. it's it's better as a meme now that they never reprint. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think that Damnation has anything to do with it. I'm trying to think of a recent example of a card that has Dam in the name. I can't. Or in like the flavor text or something. I can't think of any. But I I don't. Do people even care about uh, the word dam anymore? Oh, they I, they they had Army of the Damned in Innistrad and Bonfire of the Damned in Avacyn Restored. So oh, so yeah. and Damnable Pact in Cons. So I don't think dam is the issue. No, definitely not. Uh, at DJ Wheelie Bin. Now Frontier has support on your site. When is Kamigawa Block Popper Tiny Leaders getting supported? Uh, well, Richard is on vacation, but as soon as he gets back, I will make sure to to tell him to get right on that. <laughs> I don't know if that's like a subtle. I don't. I have no idea. Okay. Uh... So email. Uh, hey guys, your faithful fan Tomaz. Hello, Tomaz. Uh, I was just wondering who the crew of Goldfish really is. What do you do beyond MTG Goldfish? What backgrounds you come from? And your non-MTG hobbies? And how you all met? Well, well it, this is unfortunate because Richard's not here. I can, but I, I can, I, I can yeah, kind of fill in the, in the how we met part, and then we can talk a little bit about ourselves personally. But sure. so, so Goldfish and Richard would give a better version of the story if he was here, but Goldfish started out without any content or articles, and then... Richard decided he wanted to add content and articles, and I had been writing random stuff on the MTG Finance Reddit page, and Richard saw it and apparently liked it and sent me a message uh, asking if I wanted to write on his site, and I didn't even get back to him, and then he asked, sent me another <laughs> message and said, because uh, I didn't know who he was or anything, I thought, you know, it's on the internet, it's Reddit, people can say whatever they want. So I finally actually wrote him back and uh, started writing for the site and kind of just went from there, and then maybe two or three months later I think Chaz approached me 
and asked about doing a podcast and then eventually talked to Richard. And that's how I met Chaz was through him mm-hmm. pitching the idea of a podcast, actually. Yeah, that, I think that's about how it went. Yeah, basically through and, and how we met is basically through Twitter and like Reddit pretty much. Yeah, which like is, magic focus, weird. social media yeah. type stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah, we pitched the podcast, and, I mean, all the stuff you do, Seth, and everything else is just history. As as far as me personally, uh, I enjoy playing music. I played in various bands. I'm not playing in one right now, and I have a bachelor's degree in psychology, so that's kind of my, my personal background. You're, you're, you're going to get me in trouble with all that. And, <laughs> no, you are. I tried to change uh, this to the subject for you, Chaz. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. Uh, background, I have an MFA and a BFA, or a BFA and an MFA in digital media, and outside of well, doing the podcast and, and MTG Goldfish, I do write for other sites, Quiet Speculation, and I, I teach part-time as well. So uh, so this is, so that was from Tomaz. This is from T.H.A. Schroeder. Oh, man. I'm t- sorry. Uh, hi, guys. In your podcast, I listen to you talking about Frontier. While this format does not appeal to me, I do like the idea of a format to keep playing old standard card to, old play, to playing old standard decks in. I think a format in which different standard pools can be pitted against each other but not combined could work. Each deck would be of standard power level and decks would never rotate out. Do you think something like this could be viable? I don't they they do have something like that already. Like take a standard from like a standard deck from any time and and I, it's like mostly not good. I I have seen yeah, some tournaments like unofficial unsanctioned stuff on Magic League that does yeah. tournaments of that style and I think you got two problems. One is it is very unbalanced. Uh, some blocks or standards are way more powerful than others, so you would still run into that problem. And the complexity level is really high. Uh, it's just yeah. a lot to ask players to look back into what sets were legal 15 years ago and use that as their card pool, especially for new players or less enfranchised players. So I think I think that's the challenge. It's kind of the same problem they have with this Penny Dreadful format, which is a neat idea. It's supposed to be super budget, only cards that cost a penny on Magic Online are legal. But it requires you, if you're going to build a deck, to like dig through these sheets of cards and figure out what prices of stuff are so you know if a card is legal or not. So it's kind of the same thing. It just seems like a lot of work to actually build decks uh, if you have to think about what set was legal in each standard through Magic's history. Yeah, and just to, just so I say this again, I mean, Seth and I are pretty much on the same page for Frontier, and even if it... like. I get it. It is logical. I I fully expect that would be a good point to start a new format. And it's just there if people want to play it. I mean, it's honestly, it doesn't need to be anything more than it is, right? Like, it doesn't need to be... Because largely, you're going to run into... I don't care what anyone says. You could debate this all you want. You're not going to change my mind. You're going to run into the same issues that Modern inherently has already. And Modern, you know, has master sets and these sets dedicated just to reprinting these cards, you know, because people don't have them. Frontier, if it, you know, gets to be a mainstream and it's picked up by Magic and all the, like, the the best things happen for Frontier, it's going to run into the same problems down the road. It is not, you know, it's nice now. It's like a new relationship, right? Like, you know, everything's great. And then... You know, a few years down the road, you have to start paying bills, and a few years down the road, you have to buy a house, and, you know, you have to go through all the trials and tribulations, and that's exactly what is going to happen. The cars that everyone has now, 10 years from now, no one's going to have, so... 
Yeah, I'm, it's yeah. just it's just going to be the same thing. I I agree with you. I think we both agree on that. And I'm a huge supporter in playing Magic however you want to. So if yeah. Frontier's your thing, go for it. But on the uh, from the big picture, and we've talked a lot of big picture stuff this podcast. But from the yes. from the from the meta view, I really think that you're right. It is. It's just going to be modern again ten years from now if it does catch on because it's it's going to do the exact same thing. Decks will rise to the top. Cards will be ten years old and in low supply, so they're going to get expensive. And you're just gonna you're going to deal with all the same problems as modern is dealing with currently uh, but that said if you enjoy the format and you think it's a fun format i play it as much as you want to i think that's awesome right and and like it's not replacing either standard or modern i get that it's a bridge format but yeah just want to reiterate everything that we talked about um i think that's it for fish mail so we did it <laughs> thanks everyone for sending those in that was a lot um and I think we covered everything we wanted to talk about. We really did cover a lot of big picture stuff. Well, it's good to... We spend a lot of time talking uh, little stuff, the the tournament results for the week yes. or what's happened in the news. So I think it's good to once in a while step back and, and look at what's going on in the big picture and what might be impacting the game uh, six months or six years from now and talk that level of stuff. So I think it was cool that we, we took a week to do that. Yeah, and, and it's good that we got to talk finance because we don't... Sometimes, you know, it's just... I mean, a lot of stuff is kind of status quo, but it is kind of look... You know, we talked about a lot of things, so it was good to kind of get a little specific and what that actually means to, like, adapt to everything that's been going on. So, all right, Seth, we will do this again next week. Uh, for everyone else, uh, we will see you all next time. Yeah.